Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC 262, our main event. We're going to crown a new UFC lightweight champion of the world. Charles Dubronx Oliveira taking on Michael Chandler in just his second UFC fight. A couple, you know, people, a few people I have knocked on this card in terms of being a pay-per-view. Look, sign me up for, for Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush. I'm excited for that fight. Edson Barbosa, Shane Burgos is going to be a banger. Okay, we'll get by Chikagi and Aruhu. It's going to happen. But yeah, um, and I'm a big fan of of Rogerio Bontarin. Um it's actually cost me a little bit of money because he keeps losing these close fights, but I'm a fan of the guy. I like this card. I'm looking forward to it. But more importantly, we're gonna. I think it's a great card for DFS, DraftKings, FanDuel. Gonna make some money on this card. Welcome to the episode. I'm your host of Daily Fantasy Sniper. With me, as always, is Chris Olson. You can find him on Twitter at Real Chris Olson. We're down, Joe. Joe is in Houston, living the high life. He's gonna watch. Um, 262 live from Houston. So more than happy to have a fill-in form AJ Shulo. You can find him on Twitter at AJ underscore Shulo. Thanks for jumping in, man. How you doing? And how do you like this card? Oh, I love it. Yeah, so happy to make my debut with you guys, stepping in for Joe, keeping his seat warm, and uh, he's going to be joining the event. Awesome for him. Maybe he steps in halfway through. That's my hope, at least. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's awesome to be chopping it up with you guys, DFS, matchups, all things UFC 262. You know, if Arhu pulls out, I'm sure he'll get in there with uh, Chukagin and just grunt for three rounds and just <laughs> and get scored as significant strikes and fight metric. He'll break a record. Yeah, Chris, how you doing? I, I'm doing good. I actually actually just got a. This is a live update from Joe. He's uh, waiting to be seated at a restaurant, but if he gets finished early enough, he might jump in. So uh, we may we may have uh, a four way. Uh, a uh, little analysis fest going on. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually love this card, too. We're talking about, you know, um, more undercard uh, 
the, the fighters that we like. I'm actually a big fan of Mike Grundy. I'm a big fan of Andre Muniz. So I actually think this is a pretty solid card top to bottom. I, um, as far as, is it the best pay-per-view card I've ever seen? Probably not. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think we should definitely get our money's worth here. And I'm excited to get into it. Before we get into the card, could you could you ask Joe what restaurant he's going to? I know it's a weird uh, a weird segue, but do me a favor and text him and have my, my, my phone right next to me because he asked I, me. I, for... I will I will do that when I put myself off camera because it's unprofessional otherwise. But yes, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean I'll just send it. I'll, I'll find my phone. No, he uh, um my wife um there's a chance I was gonna go. It, it didn't go, and he and she she used to go to Houston frequently. And there's a restaurant in Houston, uh, Tony's, that she was adamant Joe go to. It was was so I want to see if he's following through through with that advice because she said she's going to be personally offended if he doesn't go. Oh so boy, I got to see if he gets in trouble with uh, the wife. Anyway, yeah. a sidebar. You know what? Joe's not here, so we got to invent some uh, some of our own sidebars uh, throughout the day before we get started. With the fight by fight analysis, make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Got you hooked up for MMA, obviously, soccer, which is with something I'm into. And then you have all the sports, basketball, football coming again. I'm forgetting stuff. Everything season-long daily. Head over to Rotowire, sponsor of the podcast. Like, comment, subscribe to the video on YouTube. And if you don't Subscribe on iTunes, Rotowire. Just, I believe it's Rotowire MMA on iTunes and the Rotowire channel on YouTube. All right, that's a lot of intro. Before we talk about, you know what? There was more lead in for that, for, for the first fight that I just talked about, than I feel like there was us knowing about Christos Giagos taking on Sean Soriano. Soriano stepping in on short notice, making his UFC return to the UFC after six years. Giagos the favorite, 9,100. Soriano the dog at 7,100. The line on the fight, Giagos minus 195. Soriano plus 175. A lot of close fights in this card. So these minus 200 fighters are actually the most expensive fighters on the card. I can't wait to talk about Mazzani at that price tag, but that's why we have Giagos minus 200, 9100. Is he worth it? We'll get, we'll go to our our um, our guest here. You should go first, AJ. Who you got in this fight? Yeah, I actually like Giagos. I like the fact that he's the more prepared fighter. He's the larger fighter, being that he's the more natural lightweight. Uh, Soriano has fought at featherweight, taking this fight on short notice, notified May 6th. Uh, the well-documented issue with Giagos has always been his cardio. I know you guys have probably noticed that on tape, but uh, I did notice on tape that Soriano slows down as well. And it, like I said, he's taking this fight on short notice. So I tend to think that the cardio here is nullified, if not in favor of Giagos. And the physicality combined with his wrestling and grappling advantage here. I do think he could land takedowns. I do think he could pass guard. I do think he could earn some top control time with this new DraftKings scoring system play so very nicely into it. And I do think he could, you know, potentially get a re-naked choke here. You know, Soriano has been submitted in a bunch of his losses, losses, excuse, uh, excuse me, and including to Levon Makashvili, who's a guy that looking at his record had no wins via submission before or after he fought Soriano. So there's definitely some potential there for Soriano giving up his back like he, like he typically like he typically does, excuse me, after getting up from taking down. I think that Giagos could stick at the hooks, get the Renaka choke, and get a submission. So I actually like Giagos. I know he's expensive, but it was a bit of a pleasant surprise for me to see him at 9,100 and not say higher, priced higher than, say, Eugenio Mazzani. So I think he's got grappling upside. I think he's got finishing upside. Um, and I think he's viable in both formats, cash and GPP. 
stole my thunder. I also like Iago Spice sub. Soriano is a kill or be killed kind of fighter if you want a wiki cap on topology, but I kind of kind of fits the style here. I, I like this fight to end um, inside the distance. I think that Soriano is worth a couple plays for that reason. The gas tank you mentioned, you never know what's going to creep up. I do like Iago though. The pick for me is him by sub. Chris, are we making it a clean sweep on Christos Giados? Well, before I give my pick here, I, I have an update. Um, Joe did not, in fact, go to Tony's. He is at Papistos, which I don't oh, know what Papacito, that is. Oh, uh, Papacitos? Papacitos, yes, there you Whatever. go. Yeah, he was talking about that. I think it's in his hotel. Yeah. That, so that, um, He better uh, have Rotowire propped up on his iPad on his table. He better be looking at your beautiful face right now. I mean, so, somebody should, you know. But uh, – I am. I, I think I like Soriano a, a bit more. Uh, of course, you do. <laughs> I um. Actually, I actually do like a lot of dogs this week. So I'm. I'm back to my. I'm back to the old me. But um, I, I think that. Uh, I think the speed difference is is going to be uh, something that is going to be. Uh, AJ mentioned uh, Giagos is going to be bigger, but I, I like the speed that that brings with Soriano and and the gas tank issue. Issue you both mentioned. Um, he wrestles himself to exhaustion, uh, that being Giagos, pretty much in every fight. I mean, it wasn't just because he came in on short notice last time. Um, this could be an up, this could be upside for DraftKings as well in a new format. I mean, I think three out of the last four fights he shot at least ten times. So he's going to be in there shooting. That makes the grappling upside. That makes the takedown and control time upside. But if Sean Soriano can get back to his feet a couple times, that also means in round two or three, uh, Giagos is going to be is going to be gassed, and I actually like uh, Soriano too. Um, he gets tired as well, but I think he is able to fight harder while he's tired. Giagos strikes me as a guy who kind of shuts down when he gets tired. I always like to note those little distinctions um, between fighters because everybody gets tired. It's just a matter of of what you do when you get tired. So I, I agree that the grappling and wrestling upside is with Giagos here, but. I'm going to be a little heavier on Soriano just because um, I think that if you can weather the early storm, I think Yagos might self-destruct. AJ, do you ever watch the the uh, Fight IQ show when, when when you're not on with, with with me, Chris and Joe? Do you kind of know what you're in for with um, Chris, or is this a new experience for you? Oh, no, it's not brand new to me at all. I know that you guys often disagree, and, and I love it because I think that's more enjoyable from the viewer's standpoint. I just think it's better for discussion. So, yeah, I love it. It's not so much that we disagree. It's that Chris is a I gotta. I can't believe I can't swear on the show. He's a bleep and bleep madman. Like me and Joe, like that's oh, a I slam dunk. That, pick. I think that is like, the highest compliment. You have no. Let's, idea. let's just move on. This is going to be easy. Like we could have. I mean, we could have Francis and Ganu against like Amanda Nunes, and he'd be like, "Wait, wait, wait. Just hang on a second. I, I'm just giving different perspectives. That's all. Uh, so, and I like to give him a hard time about it, but yeah. mostly just I um, don't be prepare you prepare you for this madness that's about to ensue. I like not reading the staff picks because I like to just see like on the fly what Chris is going to come up with. Anywho. Never do know. Man, I want to keep stalling because this next fight um, for DFS, no thank you. Tucker Lutz, 8,300, taking on Kevin Aguilar at 7,900. Line on this fight. Pick him now. Um, Lutz is a small favorite actually across the board, depending where you look between minus 115 and 120. Come back on Aguilar between plus 100 and and minus 105. I think the only person to even consider here is Lutz. Aguilar shown he's a bad DFS score. I lean Lutz. Aguilar seems to be on, on the decline. Three straight losses. 
not a super confident pick. It's not one I felt like digging into a ton for DFS because I'm not betting it. I'm not going to play him in DFS. Give me a little bit of Lutz and I'll move on. Chris, tell me why we're going in all in on Kevin Aguilar. <laughs> no, uh, even I am even I am not that crazy. Um, Kevin Aguilar, he, he just fights so slow. Um, he's a he's a back foot counter striker. He's got some power. Um, we saw we saw that in uh, the fight with uh, Rick Glenn. But Rick he's Glenn got a also, bunch of knockdowns actually, which is weird. Sorry, yeah, like, I no, he has- definitely has power. But um, you know, I, uh, Rick Glenn is, is a guy who likes to lead with his face, so that kind of helped. There, um, talking a lot is interesting because he has the wrestling in his back pocket. He can, you know, if he chooses to go that route, Aguilar is a pretty staunch takedown defense. I think it's around eighty-seven percent. So, um, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to see how much you wanted there. But yeah, I agree. I mean, Agu- Agu- Aguilar is basically knockout or bust. I don't think he scored any higher than eighty-seven. I think the max. I just looked his 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 average fantasy score is, is like thirty-eight. I mean, it's no good. So. Uh, I agree. Um, this is Lutz or pass. Uh, I'll sprinkle in some Lutz because if he can get that wrestling going, he can he can lead to a bigger score. But uh, yeah, this isn't one I am uh, particularly looking forward to. AJ, who you got? So it's one of the fights I'm least interested in from a, a DraftKings perspective on the entire slate. I just feel like the upside here for the winner is mostly tied to a knockout. And yeah, sure, in theory, it could happen. We've seen Aguilar rocked by guys that aren't power punchers. Charles Rosa comes to mind. Um, it's not the worst thing getting rocked by Dan Ige. We know he has some power, but uh, you know, just seeing him rocked by Rosa is a huge red flag, in my opinion. Lutz doesn't strike me as a huge power puncher, but I like his volume, his willingness to go forward. I think he's the more varied striker here. He could switch stances on you. He's willing, more willing to throw in combination. Uh, Chris brought up the grappling, which um, in theory could help. Like again, if there's more, uh, if there's a guy with more take takedown equity, it would be Lutz. But like Chris also pointed out. Aguilar has shown historically strong takedown defense. So I think it's more than likely going to be won or lost in the feet. So I prefer Lutz. Uh, there's always a, a bit of a hesitation with these contender series guys. You know, they just, he's not as experienced as Aguilar because uh, despite Aguilar's flaws, at least he's fought five times in the UFC against uh, better competition. So um, I think I'm more interested in Lutz of the two, but I'm a 150 lineup type of guy. So I will by default have a little bit of exposure to both guys, but there's, just so many more fights that we got to get to that I'm just so much more interested in from a DFS perspective. Yeah, you have near 200% exposure out the window when you look at the main and co-main, but we'll get there. It's one of the fights I agree probably for the most part, toss it away. All right, next up, I'm actually interested in what you guys think here. Uh, Gina Mazzani, 9,300. I know I threw some shade her way earlier, which she'll find me on Twitter and her and Tim Elliott will gang up on me if you didn't see yeah. that. T- Tim, Elliott, Tim Elliott is out there matching bets. So if you guys uh, have some action that you want. Yeah. Tim, Tim Elliott is um, it's a character, man, but good for him. Uh, Mazzotti's 9,300. Priscilla Cachuera, who I'm just going to call catch a beating, not because I really dislike her or think she's that bad, although I don't think she's great. I just I can't say that last name. So I'm going to go with Priscilla. Um, she's 6,900 line on this fight. Mazzani's minus 200. Priscilla's plus 185. Look, no one's going to play Mazzani. I mean, it's a a low level women's MMA fight. I feel like, I feel like it's the lower the level fight, in my opinion, the higher these ceilings just naturally are in terms of finishes. And it makes me want to play some Mazzani because no one's going to play her. Like it, it, it screams GPP play to me. Um, and I do like her to win this fight. AJ, who do you have? 
Yeah, I like Mazzani too. Um, I don't love her as a draft uh, DraftKings play, but I, I like her. You know, when she wins, we know that she scores big because she's a grappler. I don't think she's an elite grappler, but uh, you know, working at that Red Hot Glory MMA camp, I think they're going to come in with a game plan as they always do. And I think we're going to see Mazzani try and land some takedowns here against Cachuera. We know Cachuera is so tough and everything, but we've seen her taken down by Molly McCann. We've even seen her get mounted by Molly McCann, put in submission attempts. We saw the same thing against Luana Carolina, uh, put in submission attempts there, get taken down, but put in vulnerable spots on the ground. And uh, Mazzani's a willing wrestler. Um, so I think we could see her land some takedowns here. I don't think the most likely thing is she finishes, but we know with this new scoring system, like we pointed out with Giagos earlier, you don't need to go out there and necessarily get a finish. We literally just saw uh, Delima just lay on Maurice Green for like three straight rounds and score 160 points. So stupid. Um, so stupid. <laughs> hey, it is what it is, right? But, uh, you know, and on the flip side here, Cachuera, I, I think she's okay just because if she's if she wins, I think it's, you know, there's a decent chance it's by knockout. We've seen Mazzani knocked out a few times. Granted, uh, it was at 135 against uh, Avelia and Chason, who personally I feel like those women just hit a bit harder. But Cachuera has still shown some power in her hands. Uh, she is aggressive. She's tough as nails. Uh, she throws in high volume. So I wouldn't be surprised to see her maybe best Mazzani on the feet. So I have some mild interest in this fight, not an all-in fight or anything like that, but uh, I do have more interest in this fight than say the previous fight we talked about with uh, Tucker, uh, excuse me, Lutz and Aguilar. Chris, who you got? Yeah, uh, I think AJ laid out the dynamic pretty well. I I'm taking a, a, a little harder look at uh, Cachuera because I think she's going to, she's going to be a little bit stronger than Mazzani here. And, uh, that could help with the takedowns. Also, like, I don't dislike her style for these low-level fights. I mean, she got, I think, you know, the, the catch-a-beating uh, nickname that you so lovingly brought up because, obviously, the Chevchenko really, uh, you know. That's, that's Mario Yamasaki's fault. Destroyed, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, it did happen. She got destroyed by – but, look, she got destroyed by, you know, the one of the best fight, uh, female fighters in the UFC. So what can you even say? Um I think that, that, that Valentina would do that to any one of the three of us. Well, yeah, probably absolutely. worse. <laughs> absolutely. So um, I, I do think that in these low level fights, the Cachuera style is kind of interesting. Somebody who's just going to, you know, uh, impose their will and throw in combination, as they just said, I, I do like her power. I think if she connects, um, she has a lot of power. And um, I, I just like the style for, for this, uh, this kind of matchup. As AJ said, uh, the grappling, I think she got seven takedowns in her last fight. So that that combined with the uh, control time could really be something. But, um, you know, if, if I'm right and the strength differential is uh, is to Cachuera, then I, I, I think this could end up being a knockout. And um, I don't think many people see Cachuera as a viable option, even despite the price. So um, I'm going to have a little more Cachuera. I take your point, Sean, about the – the contrarian pay up, I think that that it, it it's live and it's viable. So I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, I'll I'll have a, a decent amount of this fight, despite it, it being a, a little lower on a kind of stacked uh, main card. But um, I think the pick is going to be slightly Cachuera, but uh, but I'm going to have uh, both sides for sure. All right, next fight up: Antonina Shevchenko, 9200, taking on Andrea KGB Lee at 7000. Um, really interesting pricing on this fight. So this fight's close to a pick'em. So we have massive line value. Uh, if you want to be technical, uh, five dimes anyway. Shevchenko's minus one fifteen. Lee is plus one hundred five. So on DraftKings, we have massive odds value for uh, KGB Lee. Like 
cash games, you need to strongly consider her just for that reason. Aside from the fight goes to decision prop. Seems like a very, very safe floor. If you flip things over and you look at FanDuel on on um, FanDuel, it's it's a little bit different in that Shevchenko is right in that mid-range at 17 bucks, and Andrea Lee is 13 So it's priced more towards this pick-em kind of where it should be. It's just it's weird in that I like Shevchenko on FanDuel because in pick-em, and I do think she wins. But on DraftKings, the pricing is so heavily skewed. I like KGB Lee there just as the better play. I think it's a close fight. I think Shevchenko is slightly better everywhere, can stay upright and use uh, her kickboxing to win this fight. Not one I'm incredibly interested in, except for on the site where I can get more bang from my buck in terms of points per dollar. So that's how I'm approaching this fight. AJ, what do you have for technical breakdown? Yeah, I think the price shopping is a smart a mar- a smart uh, thing to bring up by you because, like, yeah, on DraftKings, it's hard to kind of just disregard Lee at her price point. And, look, I've been burned on spots like these in the past where I avoid a fighter like Shevchenko where she's just overpriced and, um, you know, something weird just happens, like a finish happens, or say, like, the, the last Lipsky fight. But I'm not going to let, you know, something that maybe happened in the past scare me from making a, a decision that I think is just beneficial to make long term. I just – I don't have interest in Shevchenko at this – price point with all due respect i think that she could win the fight but she could also realistically lose as you brought up i mean this fight is razor close on the betting line um i do think that momentum does have a stake in the odds to some extent and we know that andrea lee here is coming off three losses albeit two of them were split decisions but uh i think shevchenko is the more technical striker she's a, a muay thai striker she controls distance very well but andrea's uh kyo kitchen karate black belt uh, memory serves. She could throw in high volume. She's a pressure striker. So even though Antonina is more technical than her, I think Andrea can make it close just based on her style. And I think Andrea is a, a better scrambler and a better wrestler of the two. I mean, I we've, we've seen the whole in Andrea's uh, game, the takedown defense, but I actually do think that, you know, coming from a judo base and um, she's just shown to be uh, better at getting up after being taken down, whereas we've seen Antonina just uh, struggle for, for multiple minutes on her back against Chikagan, against Mataferi, to where I just feel like if Andrea is the one in top position, she's going to be a bit more imposing than if Antonina gets in top position with those head and arm throws, those headlocks that make me oh so nervous for her because she could just easily get her back taken. And that's what happened against Lipsky last time out. Only Antonina won the scramble against a better grappler like Andrea Lee. I think she could take advantage of it. Um, you don't have to talk me too much in at playing Andrea Lee at this price point for these odds. I think you brought up a sharp point with the with the cash game consideration. She's definitely consideration at that price point. Um, and it's just Andrea Lee's a, a much more viable DFS consideration for me, really on both sites, uh, but definitely more so on DraftKings. Chris, who you got? Yeah, uh, I, I pretty much agree across the board. I think that um, the the idea that Antonina was able to stay on her feet against Lipsky uh, doesn't really interest me. Uh, her takedown average is, is like 0.27 in six fights, so um, she struggles. Um, and I think that Lee, as not not just uh, can be a committed wrestler. We've seen her get uh, three, I think even four takedowns in one fight, um, and very strong too. So I think that if she goes for it, she's going to get those takedowns. And I think that you know Antonina can just get stuck on bottom. I think that the striking can be close, although I do give Antonina the edge there. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much going to be in that boat where, Sean, you say it sometimes. Well, it's like, well, if this burns me, this burns me because I'm, I'm going to be playing DraftKings uh, primarily. So if, um, 
if if the, if she gets like a, a a knockout here, she does. Andrea Lee has shown herself to be very tough. I don't see that being a very likely outcome. So uh, I'm going with Andrea Lee here. I think she can get takedowns. I think she can, you know, get her licks in on the feet and uh, get a pretty decent score as a result. I like that I just made your phone ding. That that, that, that made me laugh pretty hard. All right, next fight up. A fight that I have a stronger take on than I thought I was going to, and the more the week goes on, the stronger it gets. So let's see how crazy I am here. And by crazy, I mean I hope Chris is on the other side. Jamie Pickett, 8,100, taking on Jordan Wright, also at 8,100. Obviously the pick'em fight of the week. Uh, Minus 105, minus 110. It's pretty much dead pick'em across the board, depending on what book, book you look at. Um, fight doesn't go to decision, minus 195. So mid-range fight, likely to see a finish. One that's very important for GPPs, don't touch it in cash games, better places to go, all the generic basic uh, advice, but if you need to hear it, there it is. My strong take, I'm on picket. I am going to have quite a bit of picket. Um, I don't like the way Jordan Wright reacts to getting hit it's just one of those things and i it's maybe i need to reevaluate when i'm watching tape but when i watch a guy like just the reactions to getting hit like a la malcolm gordon's the famous example i get down a flyweight um do i picked against uh rogerio de lima last week yeah that burned me but i still think if green could just sit down on a punch rather than walk through it it's one good piece of commentary that came out of last week like guys who react poorly to being in fights when they're in fights, I don't want to pick them. So I'm on picket here. I think he can get a finish, um, but I'll play both sides of this fight. Chris, how much Jordan Wright are you playing? It's hilarious to me because as soon as you said, as soon as this was the fight and you said, I'm on picket, I thought, oh boy, Sean's going to be upset about this one because uh, I am also on picket pretty strong. No! I think um, I told you this was, this was a bad, this is a bad one to do it. You're going to have to try a little harder, but um yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like about uh, about Pickett. Yeah, he, he didn't um, didn't succeed against Nchukwe there, but I thought he did a lot of good things. I thought that he was able to force a lot of clinch work, but Nchukwe actually had, had a pretty strong uh, – I think he's got a judo base, so um, pretty strong there uh, to thwart the takedowns. But the thing here is Pickett's reach uh, is going to be is going to be really key here, I think. Uh his jab is going to work nicely. Uh, Jordan Wright is very upright in his stance, and I think that is going to lead to some takedowns. We know that Pickett can wrestle, and I, you know, we just really haven't seen Jordan Wright do anything of note. Like he he, he blitzed in uh, for the, for one stoppage in a fight where he was also getting hit in that fight before he got the stoppage, and then he just got wrecked once on the Contender Series, and, and then once by Jeff Neal. So. Um, I think he's he's more of, of like a tornado that it isn't really at this level, to be honest. I don't really see a lot to like from him. Uh, you have to have some of him, of course, because uh, if you don't, it can burn you in a fight like this that, as you said, should finish. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think Pickett is the much uh, better put-together fighter. I think he can, he can use things like his range, like I said, and the clinch to keep himself safe. And uh, so I'm going Pickett here, and uh, I like it quite a bit. Uh, sorry, Sean. AJ, clean sweep. Yep, I'll co- uh, complete the trifecta here. It's uh, <laughs> it's one where I don't uh, feel as good about back and picket, but I'm still going to back him nonetheless. I just think he's a better athlete. He's more durable. 
Um, and I do think he's more tested of the two. He's just been fighting uh, the higher level of opposition, at least in my opinion. Um, there's that very notable, uh, I think somebody put out a tweet of just Jordan Wright's record, those, those first few go-arounds there in the octagon or, or the cage, rather. Um, oh, oh, and whatever. It was a long, it was a long loss history. But anyway, um, you know, generally agree. Uh, it's, it's one where I do have some moderate interest in. It might just be a stinker and nobody's really capable of finishing the, uh, the other, but the odds say, like you pointed out, it's likely to finish. It's in the mid range. And I always like to get an edge on one of these fights, like these earlier prelim fights. They're not going to be as, uh, highly owned because just the, the casual players will want to target the bigger names on the main card. And, uh, we've seen a lot of these fights just blow up the, the pay-per-view and, um, this one could be no different. Um, it's not going to be an all in fight for me, but I think either guy's capable of finishing the other. Um, I'm not sold on, uh, Pickett's defensive grappling on the mats. Uh, right. Seems to have some competencies in, in those areas. So maybe he could exploit them. Uh, but I do lean that Pickett gets his hand raised. I will be slightly uh, more exposed to him in my DFS, uh, DFS lineups, I guess, or DFS por- portfolio, of the two, but I will have some right to, I don't want to completely write, write, write off, <laughs> uh, you know, knowing that his upside is mostly going to be a, a finisher. So. Agreed. I'm going to have some Jordan right as well, but I'm a fight. I'll be decently exposed to. I'll, I'll probably be about field weight on, on right. And just overweight on picket is really the stance. I take moving on Mike Grundy, 8,200 taken on Lando Venata at 8,000. Line on this fight. Of course, I just lost. Grundy, it's another close one, minus 125. Come back on Venata, plus 100. Look, these type of fights, I, I just need your go to the wrestler. It's probably a bad habit at this point that drilled into me by years of playing DraftKings. Um, Venata, despite a wrestling background, has been taken down plenty. I like the upside of Grundy. I find Venata to be kind of KO or bust in his fights, and I'm just always going to lean on Grundy. So he's he's my pick and definitely better DFS play, play here, even if you're picking Venata. I think you should roster more Grundy. Uh, AJ, how do you have this fight? Yeah, you, you said it right there. I think that if Venata wins, there's a decent chance it's it's my first-round knockout. I just think that while he's fresh, while he's got some gas in the tank, and assuming he's focused, which is always a question mark with Venata, you just never know what you're going to get. Um, you know, I think he's a, a threat to knock out Grundy. I mean... You know, there was the knockout win that Grundy had on his resume against Naramani, but moments before he knocked out Naramani, Naramani rocked him badly. Uh, we saw Evlev hurt him as well. Um, I'm very high on Evlev, as I'm sure you guys are too, but just to see the guy hit over and over again, the head movement could be much improved. I just think that Grundy's pretty rudimentary and stiff on the feet, so uh, Lando will be a threat to him, the more technical striker, more dangerous, faster. Um, but I like your, your point about the wrestling here with Grundy. I mean, he's a guy that doesn't fight with a massive ego. He knew that he was outgunned by Evloev on the feet. Still, he went to 15 takedown attempts on Evloev, which was largely unsuccessful, but at least told me like, hey, you know, he recognized what he wanted to do and he executed it, uh, you know, or tried to at least. Um, and, and you brought up Venata, um, you know, while he's fresh, he could scramble reasonably well off his back. But, you know, as he uh, as the fight progresses, he tends to fatigue. He tends to get controlled on his back. And, uh, you know, Grundy could definitely land some takedowns here and earn some top control time. So, I think that Fanata is the bigger finishing threat here, uh, but I would be foolish to just not roster any Grundy because, like we pointed out, he's a, a great wrestler, comes from a background. He's willing to just spam the attempts. Um, and we've seen time and time again that scores well on DraftKings. Um, I'm not sold that Grundy just beats the crap out of Fanata's calf like Close and uh, G. Casey did. But, uh, again, takedowns. That's his path to victory in all likelihood. So I am, I am mod- uh, moderately interested in this fight for a DFS perspective. 
Chris, who you got? So how dare you um, speak anything ill of, of my, my boy, Mike Grundy. As I gave away, I think, in the intro, um, I'm pretty high on Grundy here. I I'm gonna, I'll quibble a little bit. I, I think he's a, a bit more agile on the feet than uh, maybe AJ gave him credit for. Uh, he does get hit uh, kind of uh, a, a little bit, but I think that uh, if you want to talk about guys getting hit a lot, I, I think that title goes to uh, Venata in this matchup, who generally uh, keeps his hands low and, and tries to do uh, the, the Tony Ferguson Jr. thing, which is kind of uh, ironic since they fought each other. But, um, yeah, and I think... Uh, uh, aside from the uh, wrestling, which you guys brought up, uh, uh, Grundy is a pretty accomplished submission grappler. Uh, he had Evelov in, in a really deep choke that uh, was uh, – Evelov had, like, one chance to get out of it, and he pulled it off. Otherwise, he was going to have to tap. I mean, I think it was that close. So um, I, I, I really like uh, uh, Grundy's control and submission grappling when he gets us to the floor. I think that, yeah – Venata can uh, hit him hard with something, change the course of the fight. But I, I, I just, I just like uh, Grundy's game a little bit better as uh, somebody who kind of has a plan of, of what he's doing in the cage. And uh, yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. So I mean, this is a mid-range fight with a lot of upside. I think you have to play it. And uh, my pick is going to be Grundy going away. Going away! Wow. Going away. That escalated quickly at the end there. All right, moving on. Jacare Souza, 8,500, taking on Andre Muniz at 7,700. Jacare minus 125. Comeback on Muniz is plus 115. I saw a good tweet earlier this week. I like to give credit where it's due, but from DFS by the numbers, saying someone, and I'll pose the same question to you guys, someone make me a case for Andre Muniz that doesn't include the words 41 or Kevin Holland. Because I don't think you can do it. I mean, I actually did do it. I just paraphrased and said he's old and may have a chin issue. So same type of thing. But that's what we're talking about here. The way Muniz is usually going to win his fights, grappling. Good luck wrestling and uh, grappling a literal alligator. Like, no thanks. No thank you. So unless Suze's chin is gone or he completely slows down, which are the viable paths here, um, I think Sosa wins this fight. I think there's some value here at, at Pickham, some recency buys from that knockout to Kevin Hollum. I'm on Jacare. So, Chris, I know Muniz is your boy. So I know you're against this pick. Yeah, I, th- this you one this one you called, right? Um, but I, I think, uh, f- from my respect, for who I'm picking, by the way, you, you called it wrong and who you're picking. Let's get that straight. But, um, yeah, l- look, I, I, I'll, I'll make the case against Jacare here. Um, fun fact. Jacare has not had a submission finish since Tim Bosch in 2017. That's a long time against the guy who is very vulnerable to submission finishes. Um, two other things to note here. One, I'll bring up Kevin Holland, but not in the sense that you might think. Uh, Kevin Holland was doing okay on the ground against Jacare before that, that knockout happened. Uh, he, he got reasonably close on a triangle. I, I'm not Kevin. saying he was going to finish it. I'm not saying he was going to sub Jacare. I'm saying he got closer than I think. Than but Kevin anybody. Holland isn't a scrub. Kevin Holland is a Travis Luter black belt. Well, uh, uh, obviously. And and Travis well, Luter, as we know, is the Michael Jordan of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's, he's, he's not... <laughs> He's not. He's not. He's not nothing. Like no. it's not. It's not. It's not Joe Schmo black belt. Oh no, no, I understand. Black but, I mean, belts. but I mean, I I bring up the point to say that I mean Muniz obviously uh, the better the better grappler. Uh, then Kevin Holland and I just think that um, I want to see that fight. 
Anybody else really want to see that fight now? Holland Minis? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take I really kind of do. Yeah. Um, uh, we might be disappointed again when Muniz takes Holland down and he uh, doesn't do anything and then sort of talks and, and tries to just slap him on the head. But uh, that's True. that's another story. Um, but yeah, I, I I just don't see how you can trust Jacare at this point. Um, but like I say, it's not like he was dominating any point in that Kevin Holland fight. Go back a little bit. Um, the Jacare Manson fight, he got taken out and controlled for I think seven minutes of that fight. Um, so that's not, uh, anything to take heart if you, if you're saying, oh, well, we have a dominant grappler here, obviously. Now, look, Hermanson's a big, strong guy that obviously has something to do with it. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know, um, what, what you can point to in the recent past to be like, okay, Jacare is still at the height of his powers. He was losing the, the Chris Weidman fight before that knockout, um, so the, the the best uh, the best you can go back to for recent performances is Derek Brunson, and I would even argue he's a different, uh, less stiff fighter than he was then. So yeah, I'm I'm going Muniz here. I think he I think he can finish. Uh, it's going to be so interesting to me to see these guys on the ground. I'm gonna uh, I, look. I, I know it's Bartosz Fabinski. I get it. He locked up that triangle so quickly. Bartosz Fabinski. It, but it was it was so quick. It was. Look, he, I, he's probably quicker than Jacare on the ground as far as, like, wrestling with your legs. Muniz is probably quicker at this point. So I, I, even if you want to say he's not better technically than Jacare. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. You, I mean, I mean, like, past history would be like, well, it's Jacare. Obviously, he's going to be the one on the ground. But, yeah, I don't know. And then on, on the feet, I mean, Jacare – has never been fast and has only gotten slower. Muniz is not uh, blinding speed. He's going to be faster than Jacare. He's got some power in his hands. So, so yeah, my, my pick is Muniz here, and it's just because I can't really trust that Jacare can do much of what he could even in 2017. So, yeah, my pick is Muniz. AJ, talk some sense into my guy, please. Uh, no, I'm going to piss off MMA Twitter, and I'm going to pick Muniz as well. There you go. <laughs> Hey, chat, you've been really quiet. Get him. <laughs> Get him. Hey, bring it on. Bring it on. Hey, but here's the thing, right? And you brought up great points. It, it's hard It's hard for me not to say, like, yeah, Muni's he, he can't beat him without 41 years old. But here's the thing. This is absolutely a, like a tailor-made matchup for prime Jacare Sosa, right? As was Kevin Holland, but... It's just, that's the fight game, man. It's just like, I mean, he could get old overnight. At 41 years old, we just, the reality is we just don't see a lot of guys in their late 30s, early 40s just win consistently, except if your name's your old Romero, Francisco Trinaldo, but you get what I'm saying uh, over the long haul. But here's the thing. It's just like, he just looks slow. I mean, a lot of damage taken. I mean, he was just uh, sucking air about a minute and 30 seconds into the Holland fight. He's just been largely unsuccessful as a wrestler as Jack Ray. And yeah, on paper, he's a better wrestler than Muniz, but just going back in his stats, you know, he didn't take down Jack Hermanson, didn't really try to. Um, even against uh, Calvin Gaslam, this is going back, way back, but this is kind of the data that we have to work with. You know, it, you know, Calvin Gaslam, yeah, fighter, he's much bigger than one for nine on takedown attempts. Um, so I just, Jack Ray's just been so unsuccessful as an offensive grappler in recent years and just the durability and just him getting older and slower just gives me just a lot of concern. And then I also just got to question his mentality. Uh, we'll get to Ferguson and Darius later, but it's just like in this match, we got a fighter's arrow who isn't necessarily like pointing up to the moon, but like pointing up at least, you know, much closer to his prime in his early thirties versus a fighter in Jacare Souza, who's just at the end of his career, he's two and five in his last seven fights. 
after at one point being 24 and four, you know, it, it looked fine just losing to, to Whitaker, you know, a few years ago, considering Whitaker's pedigree and everything. But then you couple that with all of his losses he's had in the meantime. And I agree with Chris, look, he looked good against Brunson in a quick knockout, but then even like, if we want to look at the Weidman fight, I mean, he was largely losing that fight for two and a half rounds until Weidman gassed like he typically does. Then Sos was able to close the distance with more frequency, land power shots and knock him out. And so, um, and even the, the Jan Blachowicz fight, like I guys, I get it. It's a split decision on paper, but like after we went back and watched that fight, Jock Ray, I mean, you can even look at the stats. Jock Ray only landed 20 significant strikes, just had a lot of success holding Jan in the clinch. It was in Brazil. So it doesn't exactly show me a lot. So, Again, I understand the hesitation with Muniz, like because on paper this is a good matchup for Jacare, but I just I don't think this is prime Jacare, and um, I just honestly I think this is at the end of his career. I wouldn't be surprised to see the UFC let him go with a loss here, just based on the cuts <gasps> that they've been making to these guy to these guys that are big on the salary, but just yep. haven't been performing well recently. I just I think back to when they cut Overeem and JDS. It's just it is what it is. I hope I'm wrong on that, but like I wouldn't be surprised at the same time. No, I agree. There's, there's, there's a decent chance if he loses, he, he gets cut for sure. Um, I had another, like, another point in there I was going to bring yeah. up. I had something in there at one point, and then I got distracted, and I, I forget what I was going to say. All I know is – oh, no, I was going to bring up the, the Weidman fight. I don't want to talk about that fight. I was I was at – God, it's an MSG for that one. Had a lot on Weidman, win in the fight, and then start standing and trading. The worst part is I was in – I was in the, the DK box for that one and everybody around me is on Jacare cheering and I'm just sitting there watching him. Going, he's going to go down. Wyman's getting knocked down. Everybody around me is going nuts and I'm just sad. Much like the leg break, by the way. Yeah. Oh, geez. Please don't bring that up again. <laughs> that was nasty. Every time I think about Chris Weidman, it pops in my head now. Ugh, it, pops, yeah. it pops in my head. You know who should be scared now, right? Just quick, quick sidetrack because we're doing well on time is... um. Uriah Hall needs to be terrified. Yeah, like, oh, absolutely God. terrified. It's, it's like it's like Final Destination. It's it's gonna happen to him though. Yeah, I, I forget who was the first one that happened to. It happened to somebody against Anders, um, against Anderson, right? It, somebody, ha- it happened. Somebody it happened, somebody uh, break their leg on Anderson's shin first, right? That that, that was the start of all this. No, Anderson <laughs> broke his leg on Weidman. There wasn't one before that. I thought in the region. There was one before that. It didn't involve Anderson Silva. It was um, who was it? Ah, uh, Corey Hill. Corey Hill. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'll, I'll find it in a second. You know, this is a good place to take a break, though. It actually was a little intentional because I have to take one of those awkward pauses for our sponsors. So if you're watching live, um, just hang on a second. If you're watching on, you're listening on iTunes, just um, enjoy these kind words. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, whatever that was, you guys should totally buy it. Next up, Shane Burgos, 8,400, take it on Edson Barbosa at 7,800. I'm going to get a, an email from someone at Rotowire. That, that probably didn't go over great. Line on this fight Shane Burgos is minus 150. Edson Barbosa is plus 140. And AJ, you're up first. I'm going to challenge you. It's the fight game. Guys get old. 
may I present to you Edson Barbosa taking on a really hungry young guy that I like in the spot, Shane Burgos. So um, I like the old guy before. I like the young guy here. Who do you have? Yeah, great segue, right? I mean, <laughs> it's one of those spots, you know, uh, Edson, he's performed admirably recently, but, you know, he's seemingly at the near of his his run. You know, he's just not in, in prime form. It wasn't that long ago where he asked the UFC to release him. He's put together some decent performances, but, you know, he's just kind of got that same MO. Like, we know Edson is so dangerous early on with his kicking game. Uh, he's a great technical striker, Muay Thai black belt. But uh, if you're able to, you know, survive his power strikes, walk him down, get in his face, force those pocket exchanges, well, one, you're taking away his kicks at distance. You're able to get in close on him, but also you're just able to wear him out. And I know that you kind of like Burgos here, I think, because – uh, you know, Burgess does have that pace and pressure style, get in your face. We know that the man can't be discouraged after watching that Josh Emmett fight. Um, you know, just that's uh, Shane's game. He's a pressure striker. He'll throw in high volume. He'll just not care. March forward. Um, and I do think that most likely Shane wins just because he carries that MO of the type of fighter that Barboza has struggled with. I also think he's got more finishing upside in terms of like knocking Barboza out cold. And he could also knock Barboza out via TKO. If Barboza's tired down the stretch and Burgos is the fresher guy on paper, Burgos just has much better cardio, higher pace. Um, and that should help him win the fight. However, I am still a little bit nervous for Shane. I mean, he just is so willing to take damage. I mean, he absorbs almost six significant strikes per minute. He's just so comfortable with just, you know, he's done better at like keeping his hands up, but still, uh, you know, hands down, just dodging punches with head movement. And granted, he's good at it, but like you can only do that so many times before you face a good striker and they're able to clip you like we saw Cater do, like we saw Hollaball even do, um, and then we saw Emmett do. So granted, the guy has got a great chin, uh, but I think that Barboza, he, we have seen some high volume with him in the past. He landed over 120 significant strikes against Dan Hooker. I think he has it in him. However, um, I'm going to side here with the fighter that I think stylistically it's a decent fight for him. The fighter with better cardio that has higher pace. And as you aforementioned, uh, probably closer to his prime of the two. I, I don't think probably, I think definitely closer to his prime. Chris, why are you rostering Edson Barbosa? So I actually picked, um, and, and if you look on the uh, our, our, our roadwire picks, I actually picked Burgos here. As time has gone on, I, I, I've been. This is the closest I've come to um, wanting to uh, change a pick, just because. I, and AJ brought up some of it, and it, like how 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 much damage could can Shane Burgos, Burgos reasonably take before it just? I mean, he took so much damage in in the in the. Um, Josh Emmett fight. He's been taking damage before that. And look, uh, AJ covered it. Like, this is the game plan to beat Barboza, right? Take away the kicks, get in the range, tire him out. But here's the thing, though. Nobody who does that walks away unscathed. Like, they always have to eat some shots. Uh, somebody posted, and I I rewatched that Tony Ferguson, uh, Edson Barboza fight. Edson Barboza won most of that first round and landed a lot of big shots. Because his counter boxing is actually pretty good, and he and he throws with a lot of power. Um, Shane Burgos is going to be able to walk through a lot of that, but uh, as the ding of my phone goes off again, you know, it wasn't me this time, not me. For some for some reason, it um, it's coming through my my uh, my computer now, and I don't know what to do about that. But uh, we'll we'll sort that out later. Oh, you know what? I what the, I, I know what that was. Jessica, I just posted something on our OnlyFans. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so it's just it's hard for me to 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 really love a guy like that because 
you you can beat Edson Barbosa this way, but you have to beat him. Like he's not he's not just gonna fall down for you. And um, look, he he gets tagged a couple times, rocked a couple times. Maybe his chin is even. You, you never want to go fight to fight with stuff like this. But man, he just took so much damage. Maybe his chin isn't the same right now. Like you you just don't know. And so, I think I think this is gonna be this is gonna this is gonna be a first for me. Um, I I think I'm 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 gonna officially change my pick ahead of. Uh, I, I know this is this is a scandal and it's gonna get a lot of press tomorrow, but I think I think I'm going Barbosa here just because I I, I, I can't I can't trust I, I just can't trust Shane Burgos. He's gonna over he's gonna try to overwhelm Barbosa and uh, and I don't think it's gonna work. And uh, we are all overwhelmed and overjoyed as somebody is joining us right now uh, in the waiting room. It is. Joe Sun Tzu. Uh, Joe, how you doing, buddy? Am I fashionably late? You uh, as, right as usual, time. my friend. Were you here for the Jessica Iburn that just happened? No, I was. Uh, we got to cut that together. Wow, <laughs> I, am I um, am I significantly flushed from the jumbo mango margarita that I just had? <laughs> Um, no, but you are significantly flush. I'm assuming knockout therapy joined you for for dinner. I wish. No, no, flush. no. I not yet, dude. I. Yeah, that I would not be able to stand up for a while if that was the case. Um, <laughs> um, but I figured I'd jump in at least before the hot takes because I, I do have two bets. So I will I will kind of patiently uh, listen to your guys' takes on the rest of the card and then uh, you know jump in with my two bets when we do hot takes. Sounds good. And you know what? I think it is. I think it's a pr pretty perfect timing. It's, uh, the screen just totally froze up on me. Yeah, of course you would jump in right before we have to talk about Caitlin Chukagi in 8,800, <laughs> taking on Vivian Arahuo at 7,400. Line on this fight, Chukagian is. Oh, so I was falling asleep. I'm sorry. Minus 127. Arahuo is plus 117. Line value on Arahuo for DraftKings if you want to go that route. Problem is, Chukagian fights are just poison for DFS. They are just really, really bad unless your name is Jessica Andrade. I think this fight plays out slow and boring. I'm picking Chukagian, but I could kind of care less about this one for DFS. Joe, you're here. I know you have a fight on this one. I'll skip you for the others, but who you got for Chukagian Arahuo? I do have uh, uh, a leg of a parlay, which is tied to Aruha. Um, you know, Ooh. again, I, you're right. You know, Chukagian fights... You know, let's hope judges have kind of wisened up to not scoring the grunts and actually looking at at strikes. I think Arujo would be smart to press her wrestling here. Um, that's something that's hard to ignore. Um, I well, actually, maybe last week it wasn't. Um, if you look at the Mike Trezano fight, um, but I hope she presses her wrestling here. I think this is a pretty close fight. Um, Seven point four K. Look, if there wasn't um, you know value in the form of the pseudo Russian at seven K. I'd say this is a pretty good value spot on the slate at 7.4K, but, um, you know, I, I'd say the Russian is better. Um, although I do think there's some value in 7.4K. I have this as a pretty closely lined fight, and I do have a Rujo as or Royho as one of my bets in my one of my three-team parlays. I forget who we're up to. Uh, Chris, you're up. Screwing up the whole order, Joe. Um, Sorry, dude. I, I got there. No, I'm good. We got there. I, uh, I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Arujo too. I think that 
the the big key here is the wrestling, but also the fact that Arujo is also a BJJ black belt. So the tricky guard that Yukagian has, it's it's not going to be as much of trouble as it was um, for someone like um, uh, like oh uh, Jessica Andrade. I think that uh, you know I think Arujo should be able to keep herself safe on the ground and get takedowns. Uh, uh, Kagan has never had that great takedown defense, maybe because she's comfortable on her back, but I think that would be a mistake here. I also think we, we've seen a, a lot a good uptick in her striking in the past couple of fights. Um, much more uh, varied uh, in her shots. Uh, really throws that, that uh, check left hook pr- pretty well and uh, can push. Now, we know that Kagan likes to, and part of the reason why, uh, as Sean mentioned, that she's DraftKings death is she kind of just fights behind her jab and uses her athleticism. I think um, this is there's kind of there's kind of a weird tale of the tape here. I think Chukagian has five inches of height, but the reach is the same. So that's interesting to me. Um, we'll have to see how much the height plays. But I do think that Araujo has made some uh, some strides with her striking. I think she could at least compete there, and I like the wrestling. So uh, yeah, uh, the pick is Araujo to win, and I think she can she can score pretty pretty well here. I have to defer real quick back to, to Joe. So, Joe, you playing DraftKings Cash this week? You playing cash games? You're on mute. You might not be listening. Yeah, I'm Joe, you're muted, mute. buddy. You're muted. I threw him off. I totally threw him off. This is on, on me. I can, yeah, I can do it. Oh, I can't do it. No, you have to do it yourself, Joe. Can you hear us? I lost the street. I lost the. Okay, uh, okay. I have so many open windows in, in uh, uh, Google that yeah. I lo- actually momentarily lost the street. Yes, I'm playing cash this week. I, I I play cash every week. If I didn't play cash last week, it would have been an absolute fucking. Dis- Sorry, I can't say that. It would have been. Uh, an I abs- caught myself. I didn't swear been, first. It would have been an absolute disaster if I didn't play cash last week. I, our I our sponsors are furious, Joe. Yeah. yeah so uh, look, I Lee, I Lee, Andrea Lee, or our or our. Oh, uh, Andrea Lee. Although Andrea Lee has got way more upside. Um. Just Angela kidding. Lee and and look, I'm not giving away the secret sauce here because he he announced it. I think it's a publicly available video, but like you know, one you know, Brett Brett Apley's you know value play here is is yeah, Andrea KGB Lee. So I mean, I think cash GPPs, but like even in a loss, she's got a pretty decent floor. So I don't know that Arujo's floor is as good as KGB's floor, and I also think KGB has got a better chance to win the fight. So I would certainly save the $400 and go with KGB. And I don't really think that this is the kind of slate where you need to play both in cash. Yeah, you know, no, I think there's enough uh, room. Uh, there's enough room. That there's enough things you can do with just putting Lee in your lineup. And if Lee is going to be that much more popular, you know, from the content creators such, such as us, such as bread and others, there's, there's value in just putting on a block in cash games. Just may let other people make a mistake, play a block happens all the time. So yeah, Makes me like a little. Uh, I tend to watch everybody else's stuff last after I'm done with all my content, so it's not that echo chamber effect and get some ownership thoughts in my head. But yeah, you know, that's if that's out there, like then I'm I'm probably strongly going to consider Lee and Cash, um, just as a block. Anyway, got to talk about uh, this fight. AJ, take us home on it. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, make it three for our Ujo. I mean. I think similar to the Antonina Shevchenko and Andrea Lee fight, it's just a dogger pass matchup from a DraftKings perspective. We know that Chikagian, 
you know, her style just isn't very DraftKings friendly. And even if she wants to wrestle here, we know Ariyujo has very strong takedown defense. She's got strong hips. She's got good get-ups. And she's a BJJ black belt. So it's hard to imagine, you know, that the, the one path of victory that we've seen Chikagan go out there and break the slate, it really working here. So I think it's mainly going to be one or lost standing where I think Chikagan can win. She's got good technical footwork. She's got good volume. She's very long, as you guys pointed out. But uh, I would argue Ariyujo is more athletic. She's a good technical striker herself, and I think she has more punching power. So, um, and we know that Chikagan historically fights very competitively standing, at least for the most part. So I wouldn't be surprised to see be a 50-50 fight on the feet. But then Ariyujo, I think, has more takedown upside here. Um, I don't think she's going to go out here and just dominate Caitlin on the mat or anything like that. But if there's going to be some fighters here, a fighter here that's going to take the fighter, other fighter down, get some top control time, it would be Ariyujo. Uh, at 7.4K, I mean, I don't think she's like a slam dunk of a play. Like she's going to go out there and get 100 points, but... She's definitely my preferred play of the matchup. I think you guys made a a, a good uh, a good saying saying that you know Lee is the better play for four hundred bucks cheaper. She's got better odds value, but I, I do think that our usual is definitely more of a consideration for me. I don't want to write her off completely. I have to say, AJ, you almost got me. I was just about to compliment you on having one of those great Chicago apartments with exposed brick backdrops and then i just realized that that's a screen you know like yes sir got, yeah i'm like i'm thinking wow you got that got one of those great classic redone chicago apartments with clothes with you know the exposed brick and like you know chris is sitting there with envy because he's in his mom's basement and you got that like brick backdrop. Nice furnished by the way Joe. okay i'm sorry i'm sorry watching watching evil eye videos i may add evil eye okay <laughs> with okay. the lights off yeah. but i digress sorry no worries <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Oh, yeah, I do. Talk about <laughs> Matt Schnell, 8,900, taking on Rogerio Bontarin at 7,300. Line on this fight. Um, Schnell, minus 155. Come back on Bontarin, plus 145. I alluded to it in the open. Bontarin's a guy that I really like. I just do. I think this line screams recency bias to me on both sides. Schnell's looking better than he's ever looked. And you have... Bontarin, um a few losses in a row against good competition. Uh, this fight, by the way, is at 135, which is interesting. Um, you know, Schnell typically a flyweight. This is Bontarin's home. Schnell will be a little faster. Look, I like the grappling of Bontarin, and if he uses it, I think he's got a real a real shot to pull an upset off here. And on the feet, I will never trust Matt Schnell. I should probably get over it, but when a little baby hammer fist from Sandfall knocks you out I mean, uh, that just doesn't go away it just doesn't so i'm always going to be nervous about him i'm on the dog in this one i like bonterin uh aside from i just don't think chanel finishes him and there's lots of finishes on this card i just i don't think there's room for a lot of chanel in my lineups uh so bonterin is my pick aj who do you have yeah, I think my Bonsarin is the preferred play in the matchup for me as well. I just feel like if he wins this fight, it's probably going to be by knockout. As you pointed out, Chanel's been knocked out in all of his losses in the UFC. He even has a, T a DQ win on the regionals, but he was actually knocked out uh, from an illegal knee by Jonathan Martinez. So as we've seen, his chin is very shaky. He's also very willing to brawl in the pocket. But when he wants to fight composed, Chanel's is actually, dare I say, a very good boxer. He's very good technically. He's fast. Um, and he has some pop in his hands. We saw him rock Pantoja. So... Um, I think Bontarine, his way of winning on the feet would be by knockout. But honestly, I think if the fight plays out on the feet for 15 minutes and Chanel wants to fight a smart fight, he could probably box Bontarine's face off and who knows, maybe even knock him out. Um, I don't think Chanel is in like a layup spot for DraftKings if he wins, but I think there is some potential for him to win by knockout. Kai Carr France isn't exactly known as like a huge knockout threat. He knocked out 
uh, Bonter. And I know there's a little controversy in there last time out, but uh, you know, do I love Chanel at the price? No. I mean, I, I like him more than Antonina and Caitlin at similar price points. Uh, there's obviously Darius. I like more. We'll get to uh, Oliveira as well. There's other options I like more than Chanel, but I don't want to outright fade Chanel. Um, I think he has enough knockout upside. And then on the flip side, Bonterine, he's got the path with the takedowns. Uh, we know Chanel, if you're a stats guy, like 53% takedown defense or so. He's also kind of a guard player at times. So wouldn't be surprised to see the physicality of Bonterine play a role, pick Chanel up and who knows, maybe knock him out with a slam. Maybe something weird like that happens, but uh, I think he can land takedowns. think he can finish. Uh, both guys are in play for me, but I prefer the side of Bontarine for the cheaper price point. Chris, who you got? So I'm going to start off by saying that I think the, the chin uh, thing for Chanel is a little bit overblown. Not that he hasn't been knocked out in the past because he has, but the Hector Sandoval thing, he had just been slammed on his head. I don't think it wasn't the hammer fist on its own that just, like, knocked him out. Um, so because we saw last night, I mean, Tyson Nam throws very hard. And he was in the pocket with him taking shots, and, and he seemed to do just fine. So I um, – and, and Chin is, is kind of weird for me. It's almost fight-dependent. I think it, it might it might go a little bit for, for you know, how your preparation, how your weight cut went because we've seen over and over again people who we think have bad chins, and then they get in there and they start taking shots. Um, you know, we've seen chins appear and, 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 and reappear and disappear. Um, the classic example of this being Andre Arlovsky, but there are, are countless other examples. So, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not here to say that, you know, I, the chin is a huge issue for me. And I think if, if Bontarine does stay on the feet, like AJ said, I mean, I, I agree completely. Uh, he's fast. I think he has some power. Only only two uh, knockouts, KLTKL on his record, but um, but yeah, he can crack. So, and and I think I think on the ground he he's he's going to be more than able to keep up in the scrambles. Uh, We've seen him as a good and willing grappler, scrambler, uh, especially from his back. He got those back-to-back uh, triangle finishes on uh, Smoka and uh, a fighter whose name I am not remembering at the moment, but uh, rest assured that it happened. Um, so, yeah. I think, Trust me, it happened. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's Spinoza. Oh, yeah. Also, awesome. right. 2024. Trust um, me, it happened. Yes. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But so yeah, and I think that you know, when when uh, when a guy can't stand for thirty consecutive seconds without without getting his chin touched and knocked out um, by by um, essentially Kaikara France just spamming overhand rights, then it's, it's a problem I think, and especially with a guy who's going to be quicker in Matt Schnell, um I, I think if if this fight stays on the feet, it, it's going to be a problem for Bontarine. So so give me give me Matt Schnell and. Uh, Maybe by stoppage, maybe, maybe. So, uh, you know, keep a lookout, Joe. Anything to add to this fight before we get to the I'll just say I'm on Bondarine. I think there's real value to on DraftKings at his price. I mean, you know, there are cards when we are literally uh deep diving for value, there's just so much value on this card. Um, I would I would make it a GPP play. I, I don't think I would be too comfortable with him in cash, but I do like Bondarine here. I don't hate him in cash. I, I just I don't think there's a lot of the, the problem is Lee and Arahuo, but I, I really I don't hate him at all. All right, moving on out. And I'm I'm really down on Arahuo just because she's fighting Chukagian for cash. Like I just I don't trust the Caitlin Chukagian fight. There's a could be a whole round where combined they score nine DraftKings points. <laughs> and I've taken two shits, but anyway. Co main event. 
Now, here we go. The co-main event and main event. Is anybody, before we even get to the uh, the fight breakdowns, is anybody not rostering between 80 to 100% combined of each of these fights? Anybody? And in, in, uh, in cash? And in, in GPP. Okay, in, in GPP. In GPP. Yeah, you, you got Ooh, look at AJ. You really? Yeah, I'm yeah, right. playing contrarian a little All bit. Right. I mean, I, like I, we I, talked I, about, there's a lot of other options. Yeah. 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 I, I just I, – this – these two fights scream anyway. So, so when we get to the fight, tell it, tell us which which one and why, because it is probably is a contrarian take. It's it's probably a little bit of chuck I'm going to eat, and the way I'll get different is I'll take a stance on the guy I'm picking to win. Anyway, so Ferguson Dariush Dariush eighty six hundred Ferguson seventy six hundred line Benil is minus one fifty five Tony Ferguson is plus one forty five. Call me crazy, I'm on the dog. Anybody who's going to try and out psychopath Tony Ferguson, eh, not my pick to win. As much as I love Benny as a person, good dude, kind of rooting for him, kind of want to see Tony Ferguson. Well, I used to say I want to see Ferguson get knocked out. The CTE stuff is getting a little bit scary with him. But he's a guy that over the course of his career, I've loved to hate on. I love, you know, I liked seeing the cocky guy with sunglasses inside getting hit. Like, it's just, I don't know, something about it. Um, I just, I think it's a scary strategy where Dariush has the upside, though, is that Dariush, we saw Dubronx control um, control Ferguson. Benny's a high-level black belt, a real high-level black belt. You're telling me he can't get a takedown with his pressure. And Tony Ferguson, again, I wish I had the credit for this tweet uh somebody's on twitter i gotta i gotta find it apologies to whoever said it tony ferguson's the kind of guy to spend two minutes on bottom and then try and think he can hit a triangle choke in the third round like like he is that kind of guy so benny's got upside that way but if he's just going to stand and march forward a la the the dracar close fight which is what i think is going to happen give me ferguson in that as as much as he's on 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 the decline i've seen benny hurt i've seen ferguson is out of his goddamn mind I'll take Tony Ferguson. The fight, by the way, does not go to decision is surprising. Actually, fight goes to decision minus 150. Well, that doesn't seem I mean, right I at guess, all. I guess we just saw, I mean, basically. Uh, I'm not a betting guy, but that don't feel right. Yeah, I mean, I looked, the, the Oliveira fight went to decision. The Gaethje fight almost went to decision despite how much damage he took. So, you know. A ton of yeah. Anyway, anyway, I think it's great for DFS scoring. I'll have a ton of it. Clearly, my pick is Ferguson. This one, I'm I'm probably just probably just going to chop it up. Quite honestly, and play like 40% of each guy and move on and take stands um, on the main event, and we'll see how see how crazy that one's getting. So anyway, I'm on Ferguson in this one. Great fight to target. Don't touch it in cash games. And AJ, you're first for this one. Yeah, so I don't want people to think just because I won't have 80% of it, I won't have a lot of it. I'll probably more have 60. And I do think a, a split, uh, but more on the side of Darius is probably the way I'm going to go. Um, look, I just, just like we talked about with Soza earlier, I just think that Ferguson is unfortunately a declined fighter. Does that, you know, guarantee that he loses? No. Uh, he laid out a path of victory for him. Perhaps he could win by knockout. He's got a bit of a reach advantage on Darius. Uh, perhaps he, for whatever reason, the fight is standing for 15 minutes. And, you know, Darius is a more technical striker, but. Uh, Tony just has that uh, crazy pace. He'll be in your face. He'll pressure you just nonstop, just like we saw him do at Mexico City altitude against uh, RDA. So that could be two pass victory where Tony wins. And in that case, uh, I do have some mild interest in him at his price point because he's got some finishing upside. But 
Uh, I like Darius a little bit more. And dare I say, I do think Darius is viable in cash just because he's got a bit of odds value, not a tremendous amount of odds value, but he does have a bit better win odds than some fighters priced above him. That doesn't mean that I'm going to lock him in, but he's a consideration for me at least. Um, so yeah, we just saw, you know, Oliver do his thing. Uh, Darius is an elite wrestler, but he does have a double leg. He's very smothering in the clinch and his BJJ game on top. Uh, is very compelling as well. We saw him take Tiago Moises' back. He's very good with his control. He grounded uh, Carlos Diego Fajari. Actually, probably, you know, in theory, gave um, Carlos uh, a bigger test in terms of, like, scrambling than we just saw Gregor Gillespie do, which is not easy to do. But, uh, yeah, I like Benny here. I think he wins. Again, the durability is going to be a concern in general. But uh, I think unless if he gets caught or unless if he gets stuck on the feet for 15 minutes, he most likely wins this fight with, with top control, which... Uh, I don't think he needs to finish if he, if he finishes great, but I still think he could score well in the decision victory with the takedowns, with the control time, with the non-significant strikes. Chris, who you got? Yeah, uh, you guys just made me turn off my phone with all the back and forth. So, uh, but, Why don't you have it on silent? What are, you, are you like 67 years old? No, no, no. But, I don't know what, what happened, but recently the, the, the uh, my tech manager has been coming through, I think, the iCloud. So it dings on the computers. So I don't know how to get rid of it. I'm trying my best here, folks. But You uh, might actually be 67 years it's old. It's off now, but... The, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the lenses do keep getting thicker. On the is, is that prune juice? Oh man! Okay. Yeah. Um, the cherry juice actually is very good. Okay. But um, but yeah, there, there was a funny moment at the press conference where Tony Tony was like, "All these guys besides Oliveira are scared to fight me," and Benil Darius gives him a look like, "Dude, we're literally fighting like in two days. What are you talking about?" So, but um, Wait, you can't bring that up and not bring up the best line of the whole. I know, but I I I, I wanted to. <laughs> Skirt it because it's been brought up to death, but you can go ahead if you'd like. Uh, um, otherwise, you just, you just, you just, you ruined all the fun. Here it goes. I'm going to break your rib like I broke my students. No, so, oh. no, that was, that was the story one. My, my, my favorite line, because Joe, I guess Joe, Joe hasn't heard it, is he's talking to Chandler about how Chandler was gifted this opportunity and said he has Dana White privilege. And, and Dana t- took off laughing like it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. <laughs> it was. It was a for a guy with a massive brain injury. It was pretty clever. What's probably funny about it is he didn't mean it the way that he said it. He probably meant he has Dana. I mean, I don't know. Tony might not have even realized the pun. I think he was being clever. Come <laughs> on, give him some credit. There. I don't know, man. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. I, I I'll lay it out this way. I I, I agree with AJ. I, I think Tony. I think Tony is. Uh, I'll go a little bit further. Even I think Tony is basically finished beating um, the good fighters in this division. I think if you look at a, look at a fighter that we just saw in Yuri Prohaska, what makes uh, a style like that work, um, which is which is basically, which is is a lot like Tony's style, but what makes it work? I mean, his size, his physicality, but also his agility, um, which uh, makes him dodge some strikes with his hands down and he still gets hit a lot. Now, imagine if you lose a step, a step and a half of that. You're going to be getting hit a lot more now because – the, the strikes that you used to dodge with the, that clever matrix style thing, they're just going to hit you more. And, and throw, the stand. Ha- throw the stand. That's that. Throw the stand. And that's what's happening to Tony Ferguson now. Um, so I think that uh, Darius, like his boxing is pretty solid as well. And I, and the thing to mention too is Tony Ferguson has never really been uh, a power striker in the sense that, you know, one shot knocks you out. It's always the accumulation. So we don't have to worry about anything like Darius getting slept or look, even when, 
Tony was at the height of his powers. He was getting rocked. He got rocked by Lando Venati. He got rocked by uh, Anthony Pettis. I mean, every, every fight he was just he was just taking a really hard shot. Kevin Lee mounted him and, and looked pretty close to finishing at the end of the first round. So he's always had um, those flaws and those leaks that were covered up by the fact that he could use his his uh, agility and use his movement, and that's going away. And that's a really scary thing if you're Ferguson or somebody who's backing him. Um, the obvious point to be made here, but has to be made because it stands to reason, is that we saw Dubronx take him down and control him. There's no reason why Darius couldn't do the same thing. I, 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 I just don't see it. I mean, outscrambling Dago Fejea, as AJ said, um, uh, Tony was able to do absolutely nothing on bottom against the, the top game of Charles Oliveira. I, I don't see why this would be any different. Unless Tony can can really get flowing on the feet, um, I I think this is Darius's fight. Uh, he's a he's a tough guy. I mean, say say what you will about the Jakar close fight, uh, he still came back and knocked out a guy who was on on the precipice of knocking him out, and uh, that's got to count for something. So I like the toughness. I, I like everything about it for Darius. I I I think Tony. Look, he's obviously live to knock out. He's going to throw a lot of volume, but. Um, I think Tony, look, he's got one thing uh, to do, and when that thing doesn't work, the movement and the awkward style, he just seems out of answers. He was out of answers in the in the Gaethje fight. He was out of answers in, in the Oliveira fight, and I think it's it's going to continue here. So my pick is Darius, and it's a pretty strong and confident one. Joe, anything to add before we get to the main event? Yeah, real quick. So, you know, I don't – first of all, I don't think Tony can get in, Neil, in, in Benny's head. Um you know, let's not also forget that, you know, when Benny was having that little mid-career crisis where he had a couple of L's, you know, the knock on Benny was that he was too distracted, you know, that he was opening up his gym. He was poor guy was getting married, um, you know, but he has been prone to, to getting hit and getting lit up. Now, yes, his striking. Look, if, if you train with Master Rafael Cadero, your striking's got to get better. But let's not forget, he, got, he was getting pieced up by Drew Dober and came back and ended up winning that fight. Um, if this was Tony Ferguson, you know, circa 2019, I would probably pick him to win this fight. Um, I just don't know how degraded he is. I mean, you know, the Justin Gaethje, I thought he would do a lot better against Dubronx. Um, you know, I like Benny. I'm going to have shares of Tony. I like Benny, you know, for the win here. I think the momentum is all on Benny's side. I don't. I honestly don't think he's going to get psyched out by uh, by Ferguson. So I, I like Benny here. Give me Benny. Um, you know, probably probably cash and GPP um, if I could get him in. But I might not be able to get him in in cash because I like some of the higher price guys in cash better. But give me Benny. All right, let's move on to the main event. Charles Dubronx Oliveira, eighty seven hundred, taking on Michael Chandler at seventy five hundred. Line is closed. We have have some odds value. Oliveira is minus 130. The value is on Chandler on DraftKings at plus 120. Fight doesn't go to decision. Minus 485. Seems like a great one to target. I ever so slightly lean Charles Oliveira. Wow. Just, just, ever so just slightly. Oof. Ever so slightly. I, I've seen a lot of sharp people on, on Michael Chandler. Um, and I had mm. I struggled with it. I really did struggle with this. Um the reason being, I just I went back. Obviously, I watched the uh, the uh, Du Bronx fights. 
guys, he moves. He's so hittable. And Michael Chandler can crack, can absolutely crack. And I'm really worried. Without technique, he can crack. I'm really worried that Dubronx – well, Dubronx, I still think Dubronx is a little mentally – Soft and and I'm, I'm the moment you never you never know what's going to happen in these fights, and I really think there's a possibility that Chandler knocks him out early. I do think that's Chandler's best best path to victory. I think if Dubronx can get into the fight and kind of find his flow, um, I like I, his Muay Thai's come a long way. It's really good. Obviously, the scrambling and sub threat are there. I do like Dubronx to win the fight, but I can't get. Well, I can't get out of my head. This this Chandler is very live to a knockout here, and I've been I'm very late to to the Dubronx bandwagon. I I made made a lot of picks against him, um, including and past the Paul Felder fight. So I looked like a genius, and then it's kind of fallen off a little bit here. Uh, I've come around the last couple of fights, and I'm picking him here. I just I, I'm not comfortable, Joe. Clearly, clearly you are, but uh, I kind of agree with the line closing up a little bit, even though I am going to stay with the pick. And I am taking uh, Dubronx Oliveira. I am going to stack it in cash games because I don't want to get burned here. I'm just going to stack it and move on. Uh, Joe, you you're late to the party, and and you're making you're doing my job, making the sound effects and clever little things here. That's my job. So what do you have? Yeah. So uh, uh, where do I start? Okay. So he's not technical striking. He's a, he's got a D1 wrestling pedigree, but I don't think he's going to out wrestle Dubronx. He's fought far inferior competition in Bellator. He, let's not forget how he got pieced up by Will Brooks, of all people. Um, he, he lunges. I mean, he's got a, a lunging left hand. And here's a, here's a controversial hot take. If he fights Dan Hooker four times, Dan Hooker wins three out of the four times. Um, so I, I don't get the love. I don't get the line tightening. I think there is momentum. And look, dare I say it, um, some – Language bias. You know, Michael Chandler speaks English. He's getting, he's getting more time on embedded because probably because he speaks English. Look, I get it, right? He is the wonderkin of the UFC. They back the truck up to his house to sign him. You know, we all know who the UFC wants to win this fight. But, you know, DeBronx has just gotten better. I mean, you know, it was impressive what he did in the Ferguson, even if Ferguson was a little degraded I think one. I think minus one thirty four is a steal. I think, I think Dubronx by submission at plus one eighty eight is a steal. Um, so I have Dubronx in both of my parlays that I'm gonna give when we do our hot takes. Um, I look. I'm gonna play Chandler just in case I'm wrong and other people are right. But um, I'm gonna be much heavier on Dubronx. Chris, who you got? Yeah. Um... I'm 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 gonna quibble a little bit with I'm, I know that a lot of people were th- thinking that before that fight that that Chandler Hooker was a runaway. I thought it was much closer. Full disclosure, I did still pick Dan Hooker. I thought it was much closer just because I ne- I never liked uh, the way Hooker just backed himself up for that matchup. I thought it was too open for the big shots for the for the for the wrestling. Um, Charles Oliveira doesn't do that. He's gonna come forward. And so I don't think uh, Chandler's going to be able to bear down on him in quite the same way. Also, wouldn't be surprised if we saw Oliveira do some offensive wrestling here. Uh, I think that uh, Chandler gasses out in fights, and uh, the, the anything he can do to uh, you know get that process going a little further, I think would be smart, and I think he's going to look to do it. 
uh, and uses jujitsu, of course. I do think that uh, Dubronx is hittable. I will say Sean is, uh, I can't believe he's not given up this ghost because I remember that narrative of, uh, of Oliveira the quitter. I thought it died after the Felder fight, but uh, Sean is, is, is keeping it alive for reasons that uh, are unbeknownst to me. So I, I, I said, I'd come around here and, uh-huh. and I, I'm, I've changed it to, I'm worried guy like that. Like there's look, fighting's not easy. I get in there. I mentally crumble. Like I'd start crying in the corner before somebody hit me like that. Like, but like, you react certain ways in fights. And I, I just, I, I think mentality is a big deal. I do. And I'm just, I'm a little worried about Dubronx's just them. All right. Well, unless you uh, can blind China, unless you can blind Chandler with the, uh, the glare coming off his teeth. Yeah. Well, that's certainly, that's certainly a consideration, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just think that Chandler Chandler's a, a little bit a little bit limited here uh, for my day. I do think it's it's a closer fight than Joe thinks, just because I I, I am wary of, of the power. But taking away the wrestling on Michael Chandler is a big deal, and I think effectively Oliveira does that. So uh, I have to go Oliveira here. Can't wait to see this fight. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Uh, the, the pick is Oliveira and. Um, you know, maybe by submission. Uh, gets him tired in, in the third, the fourth round, fourth round submission. Let's go with that. Uh, Oliver is the thing. AJ, who you got? My hot take is on this fight. No, I'm just kidding. But I will play contrarian here. Um, I like Chandler just a little bit more. You guys make great points. I think Joe made a great point about how Oliver is a more technical striker with more tools. I think Oliver could have some success chopping Chandler's leg, and I think Oliver could knock him out. I mean, uh, going back, I don't know, you know, you guys are in the U.S., so like Bellator.com just found out about that. If I knew about that prior to the hooker fight, I might not have been hooker against Chandler, but here we are. Um, I did notice, though, that in the Brent Primus rematch, uh, Primus, who's a grappler, uh, not a power threat, was able to rock Chandler badly. Uh, Joe also brought up the Will Brooks fight where he was TKO'd a little bit weird, but he was still finished nonetheless. And there was, of course, the Pitbull fight where he was, uh, you know, knocked out and everything. So I think on the feet, either guy is a knockout threat to one another. I would favor if the fight was taking place for 25 minutes on the feet, I would favor Oliver because he's more varied and more technical um, and just has like more layers to his game. But Chandler's live to, to land a big power shot. We know that Chandler has enough power to hurt durable guys a la Dan Hooker, Benson Henderson, and Oliveira does not do the best job of moving his head off the center line. Um, his durability is shown to be solid, but he still could be hurt with a big shot. And so why I ever so slightly favor Chandler is because I think he's the better wrestler and the better athlete. And uh, just going back on tape and watching the Kevin Lee fight, Kevin Lee, a very strong guy, a strong wrestler, was able to outmuscle, uh, win the wrestling exchanges, get in top position. He had to weather a jiu-jitsu storm early on. Oliveira is a threat to reverse early on. He's a threat to look for submissions early on. But as the fight kind of went on, we saw Oliveira slow down. He got the submission there right at the beginning of round three. But again, that's off 60 seconds of rest. Um, I understand the hesitations with Chandler's cardio, but as the guy that's more likely in top position, I think that Oliveira will be the guy fatiguing more likely as the fight goes on. Chandler also has more experience going five rounds. So I think either guy honestly is capable of finishing one another on the feet or on the ground. I think Oliveira, you know, in a scramble, maybe he locks something up all time UFC submission leader. Um, Maybe he happens to reverse Chandler. I think Chandler's got good composure in top position, but still he has not faced a submission grappler on the level of Oliveira. So it creates an interesting unknown. Um, So again, it's not like, you know, I have this like super hot take on Chandler. It's not like I completely disagree with the odds. Chandler should be minus 200 here. 
I just ever so slightly favor Chandler uh, to win this fight, but I definitely do think it's a very close fight. Wouldn't be surprised to finish either way. If it goes five, 25 minutes, I would favor Chandler because of the wrestling, and that's ultimately why he is my pick to win. All right, guys, that's that's it for the fight-by-fight fight breakdowns. Let's get to hot takes. Anyone have one queued up? Hot take. If you got them in chat, type, type them in. We'll read a few out. Um, what is your hot take for UFC 262? Joe, I, I feel like you were wearing a ghost. Well, now it's time funny. to give my bets. So I, I did two, three fighter parlays, and that's unfortunately because I'm in the state of Texas. That's going to be the extent of my wagers. Um, but I did two, three fighter parlays. Um, each to win $2,000. So total of $4,000 profit if these two parlays hit. Uh, the first parlay pays uh, plus $1,676. The parlay is as follows. Charles Oliveira, Gina Mazzani, and Giegos Christos, or Christos Giegos, wins by submission, which is plus 600 actually, believe it or not, which I find... I find very interesting considering um, – We talked about that. I think me, me and AJ both picked him by sub. Yeah, considering uh, – uh, what's his name? Um, uh, what's what's the guy's name? Not Moreno. Oriano. Oriano, yeah, since he's essentially reinvented the getting choked out. Um, that is a $119.32 investment to return $2,119.42. My second parlay pays 1388 or plus $1,388. It consists of Viviana Rujo, Angia KGB Lee, and Charles Oliveira wins by submission, which is plus 188. That is a $144 investment to win $2,144.10. So all in, I am investing $263.32 to potentially win $4,000. Hey guys, I'm gonna give mine, and then I I think we have an issue here at the house. So I gotta jump okay. off, Chris. If, if you could, if you could take us home, I would be I would appreciate. It. Thank you, AJ, for jumping yeah, on. No I think it's some parenting cleanup to do, if you know what I mean. Got it. Um, I will say I believe that uh, hot take. I think I think Jordan Pickett gets a 60 second bonus. Ooh. Quick finish like over uh, over uh, like Jordan it. Wright. Thanks, like guys. It. Sorry, I got to duck out early. I'll see you guys. See, see you later. I'll text you tomorrow. Peace. All right, John. Thanks. All right, and then I'll close this out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on what I said. I think we see eight finishes on this card, and I think wow. two of them are gonna be from Andre Muniz and Lando Venata. And I think both of them are in the GPP winning lineup. Wow. wow. I, I, yeah. I, um, I think we're, we're all friends here, right? So I'm, I'm going to say – I'm going to go with Muniz also, and uh, I think this is a safe, a safe place to say that he is going to beat Jacare Souza by submission. That wow. is my odd take. And, That's really uh, hot. That's yeah. like scorching hot. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't come with the slouchers. You know, these, this is hot take time. This is time to put it did, all did out. Did Jacare look bad on the scales? I mean, I, I haven't really gotten any – Feedback from the weigh-ins? Uh, no, no, not really. But I just, I, I think he hasn't looked good in general, you know. So oh. that's basically mm-hmm. where that's coming from. Uh, for me, uh, any, any, any uh, takes that you have in chat, we'll put them up there. Here we have Ryan Barton, uh, Mazzani, uh, catch a beating, as he puts it. Yeah. Uh, win, they win, and they're also on the optimal. Um, I don't see any others. I will give. 15 more seconds, and then we will sign off. 
Um, but guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, that's going to be it. Thank you, AJ, for filling in for Joe, who uh, was gracious enough to join us uh, for the main card. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. And now that Sean left, we have our beautiful background back, and uh, there it is. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to be it for us, uh, guys. Thank you all so much. Uh, follow us all on Twitter, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you for the next pay-per-view. Adios. Peace. Peace. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.